Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Elf Ball Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that always does pranks, even though he's not supposed to, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Just April fooling around, man. Fucking April fooling around, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the one catchphrase I feel like uh, season seven's going to be remembered for. Yeah, season six had, what's the hubba? And season seven, I'm Has, not April what's the hubba? around. Yeah, right. <laughs> what's the hubba again? <laughs> you know, Brandon, it's been like four weeks since that we had like an episode alone. And uh, I woke up this morning and I was like, it's going to be so different just talking to boring old Brandon. I know. It's so quiet in here. Right? Other than your jibber jabber. But I've learned to tune that out over the oh. past few decades. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't expect anything less. So I haven't asked you in like four weeks, but like, how are you doing? What you been up to? How's it going? Uh, just hanging out, chilling. Just, just chilling. Nothing new happened in your life in the past four <laughs> weeks, I assume. I mean, for the most part, my life has been playing cyberpunk. Oh, like you still that. playing it? Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad. That mean that bang for your buck. Am I right? Right. Especially since I didn't buy it because it was a gift. <laughs> well, it was a gift for everybody that has a PS4 too. So. <laughs> so anyway <laughs> anything cool happen to you besides cyberpunk no okay that's that's to be expected and that's all right you know i have been watching uh horror movies a lot like, more recently oh yeah yeah i've uh you know i got a subscription to shutter uh, a little over a month ago so i uh like to watch movies when i probably shouldn't be watching movies but i'm not gonna say anything about that i won't ratch out well i watched uh i watched uh the pool which is a movie about a guy that gets stuck in a pool um mm-hmm. appropriately named. which is a lot more interesting than you would expect and uh i finally watched train to basan that was really good that's a horror movie yeah it's a zombie movie about zombies oh, and okay. a train and it's uh in korean it's pretty great Really good, okay. really good zombie movie. Yesterday, I watched something called Monster Party, which was about a, a group of kids that uh, go into this like party that is full of serial killers that are like, oh, yeah, um, wasn't it wasn't great. Um, <laughs> wasn't what great. decade is this movie from? Like 2018. I think it was a Shutter oh, original, okay. maybe. I'm not sure. Not to say like that's like a bad thing, but. And, uh, yeah, I watched The Changeling, which I also didn't think was great, even though I'm pretty sure it's, like, a classic. Hmm. I don't remember what else I watched. Uh, Oh, God, I watched this movie called The Room, which was not the room that we would think of when we think of The Room. Right, because we would think of The Room. Yeah, The Room with uh, Tommy Wiseau and the girl with different colored eyebrows than her hair. (laughs) No, this one was about a room where you go in it and you wish for stuff and then you get it. And, uh... It was, uh, it was... Did the wishes go expected. awry? No. I mean... No. Well, that's boring. Except they wish for a kid, and then anything that they take out of the house melts into dust. But aside oh, from dang. that... Yeah. Uh, that was okay, I guess. Typical affair. What decade was that movie from? Oh, within the last couple of years, I think. Okay. I like horror movies, but the farther away you get in either direction from the 70s and 80s, I think the less less interested I am. I believe, I agree with you, but I believe that like the um, uh, Hammer and, what are they called? The Hammer and Goldstein? Am I thinking of like the Bernstein <laughs> Bears? What am I thinking of here? I have no idea. Like Frankenstein's monster right. and Dracula and all the like. 50s and the golden age i think they're called those monsters i believe just got into public domain or something and they're all free to watch finally um but i don't really have any interest in watching them which i know is like really frowned upon and like you know the cinema universe the is cinema, it i think so I'm i feel sure like those people, movies are more like curios people say they really like them and i i i don't want to be like oh i can't get over the fact that they're black and white but i just don't th- find any of those monsters interesting per se yeah i hear you you know we we grew up in a time where they were um you know mocked for the most part i mean come on we had like you know goosebumps laughing about them and are you afraid like all these things are just making fun of like you know the creature from the black lagoon and uh frankenstein's monster and dracula and all that stuff and it's just like i don't feel like it would be worth my time to watch anymore i think that time is long 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 past 
And I'm probably wrong. I'm sure they're all right. I don't know. Maybe someday I'll give them a try. I always tell myself I'm going to try and watch them because, like, I mean, the actors are so great in them, I'm sure, but I just don't yeah. I don't have any interest in it. I'm sure why. they're fine movies, but you know what? There's just, you have limited time. Yeah, I only got so much time in this world, and I want I choose to spend it watching shit like The Room and fucking <laughs> <laughs> The Pool. <laughs> the guy that gets stuck in a pool and there's a yeah. crocodile in it. <laughs> the noun. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm on a quest to watch every movie that starts with The, so <laughs> I'm working my way through. All right. Too bad they come out faster than I can watch You'll them. You'll get to The Wolfman at some point and be like, damn it. <laughs> I know, right? I'm going to probably die before I get to, like, The Ant or something, so it's whatever. Uh, are you ready to talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark, Brandon? Yeah. Okay, me too. Let's so do it. We just got done watching The Tale of the Last Dance. What an episode. What did you think of this, Brandon? Um, I thought this episode was meh. Yeah. I thought the music was nice in it, so at least I had that going for it. Yeah, it was a pretty musical episode. It was one of those episodes that was very... Ooh, what am I trying to say here? It's very... No uh, it's not scary. Um, no. It's like it's trying to really teach you a moral, really, I think is what uh, the whole episode's for. I don't want to say it's stylistic, because everything in this episode just looks like shit. Like oh, trash. Yeah. <laughs> this, is tra- this is a gross-looking episode. This is worse than Derby High. I didn't think we would ever. I didn't think that would ever call, like come out of my mouth that a set would be worse than Derby High from season two. It feels dirty that you've said that, but it's true. It's so true. This place is a shithole. Um, yeah. Look at uh the tale of Locker Twenty. Fuck. What was that episode called? Locker Twenty Two. Twenty Two. Okay. You look at Locker Twenty Two, and you you look and you say there is not a place that could look any worse than that. And then you finally get to season seven after you've binged the whole series and you get to the tale of the last dance and you say, wow, they did it. (laughs) (laughs) They They took it it on as a personal challenge. This is the final season. They were like, it's now or never. If we're going to do this, if we're going to break the record, (laughs) we've got to do it now. And they fucking went there, and it looked so bad. And I looked it up, and this was the last episode produced, so they really waited until the last minute. Well, fuck us for going out of order. Eh, whatever. Uh, I think it was aired (laughs) out of order. Nah, yeah, that's fine. But, uh, you know, aside from the, um, aside from the music and the, uh, like, the setting is cool, but, uh, it's alright. It it looks like shit. Yeah. It's just another school. Like, it's not even meant to be a school, but it's a school. Yeah. Um, the characters are, uh, they're meh, too, I would say. Yeah, they're nothing outstanding. An episode that focuses on them, and it's pretty meh. It's, uh, a more direct literary interpretation than we've had in a while. I think that's what sets it apart, yeah, I think that's what it is. Alright, uh, I think I'm ready to just splash into this one. Yeah, okay. Alright, let's do it! Our episode begins, and we see Tucker picking up some sticks, and he moves them over. And Megan stands up from next to the fire, asking, who's going tonight, while Quinn and Vange are stirring the fire. From behind walks Andy, saying, I am, and I've got a special surprise. And Megan goes and takes her seat, while Andy walks over to the throne with a bag. And he opens it up, and he lifts out a case, saying, ta-da! And Quinn's all, uh-oh. And Vange surprisingly asks, you play violin? Because Andy's got a violin case, and he opens that shit up saying, I've been taking lessons. I didn't want to say anything until I figured out if I liked it or not, which I can totally understand. Like, remember when we started the podcast, we were like, let's not tell anybody. Don't tell we anybody we like we're it. making a podcast. <laughs> I still stand by that rule today. <laughs> Don't tell anybody until we have 100 reviews on iTunes. Yeah, right. Don't tell anybody until the live episodes. <laughs> At the booked out <laughs> Radio City Music Hall. <laughs> um, yeah, I still don't really tell people, you know, in real life about it today. So, Have you ever said to anyone, like, yeah, I'm a podcaster? Not unless they bring up podcasting or um, I have. You remember that Are You Afraid of the Dark Cup that uh, my wife got me last year for my birthday? Yeah. Sometimes people are like, oh, are you afraid of the dark? I almost remember that show. And I'm like, well, I'm a fucking expert. I got a goddamn podcast about it. Blah, 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 blah. No. 
<laughs> that is like the only time that I bring it up. <laughs> if those two things happen, and also like you know Jupiter and the uh, the stars align and everything. Well, they got up. <laughs> I, right. Why do you ever bring it up? <laughs> Are they all like, "Oh, you cheeky caught you got podcast"? No, I could be in a group conversation where everybody's like, "Does anybody here host or produce or guest or?" Or is involved with podcasting in any way? And I'd be like, no, that's stupid. Who would do that? Shrink into the background? (laughs) Podcasting? Talking into a microphone, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) And everybody laughs. (laughs) Yeah, everybody clapped. Uh, But you know what? Megan thinks that Andy playing that violin is so sweet and that not many guys play the violin. I don't know where she came up with that statistic. Yeah, I don't know. But... That feels like something she pulled out of her ass. Yeah, well. <laughs> Quinn's all, including Andy. I heard the sound he makes coming out of that thing. So, like, did he know that Andy was taking lessons then if he's already heard him play? Yes. Weird. Andy puts the violin up to his chin and starts playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And uh, it's just actually, screeching I believe mouse. that's Baba Black Sheep. Actually, I think it's the ABCs. Oh, brother. Yeah. The gang all hate it, and they beg Andy to stop. And Andy finally stops, and he puts his violin away. And Vance suggests that he takes up stamp collecting instead. Andy looks at the gang saying, yeah, I guess they sound a little rusty. Which is weird, because aren't you practicing? I don't... That's not... No. No, you say say you're rusty when you are good, but then you haven't played in a while. Right. Not just when you still suck. Quinn slaps him saying, yeah, kind of like a rusty gate. And Megan yells at Quinn saying Andy wasn't that bad. And Andy tells her, yeah, it actually was shit. And and Andy knows (laughs) it. (laughs) And then he says, it's hard learning to play an instrument and even harder to get good. (sighs) Yep. You're right, Andy. Mm -hmm. I love that he was just sitting at home thinking of the story. And he was like, (laughs) I'm going to take my violin and I'm going to fucking suck shit at it. And that'll lead me right into my story. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, usually we get ones where the king is all like, that's what my story's about, you know, because it just like happens naturally. And Andy's yeah. like, I need to create an artificial <laughs> plot for my start of the story. Oh, <sighs> Andy says it takes a ton of practice to get to where people like listening to you. My story's about someone who plays really well. People love to hear her play. The trouble is, one person likes it so much that they do anything to get her to play for them, and them alone. Anything. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story The Tale of the Last Dance. So, Brandon, we were wrong. It's not a Megan story. It's an Andy story. Mm, Yeah. In hindsight, there was like a 50-50, I think, with that one. Yeah, it was definitely one of the two. And even still, I feel like... It could have been a Megan story very easily. Andy brought the prop, and I didn't even mention how that is such a Kristen thing to do. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that little pregame spiel here. Uh, yeah, I guess that's pretty much the story, right? After yeah. the first, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Our episode opens up to some classical violin music playing, and we take a look at this giant three-story brick building. And Andy's voiceover tells us that Warrenville Recreational Center was a cool place to hang out. Anything you wanted to do was there. And we fade inside to see some kids walking in some hallways as Andy tells us that there's weightlifting, aerobics classes, and even music. And this is where you can start to see that this place sucks because there's just a bunch of graffiti on the lockers. I don't know if that's just a problem in Canada or what, but it's it's, it's just a very easy way to say this place sucks. They do a great job of making me think that this is a horrible place that could collapse at any moment. Because any place that was good would either have no graffiti... Or if there was graffiti, it would be cleaned very quickly. Yeah. We look over at a little poster on a shitty looking wall. Like, I'm so, I'm talking this dirty, dirty, nasty wall. And it says, The Last Dance. And then we cut inside to a classroom where a girl wearing every color that exists is playing a rain- <laughs> uh, is playing a violin. I'm going to say she's playing a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> she is playing that rainbow, dog. <laughs> Andy says, especially Tara and her friends. Never in their wildest dreams would they believe something so incredibly strange was happening in the place they called home for so long. And uh, I was just like, man, Andy, that was a lot of a lot of exposition. We haven't had somebody in the Midnight Society like explain their story in grave detail uh, at the beginning in a while. So they don't need to usually. 
The visuals tell the story. I kind of like it when we get, you know, the the opening part with the Midnight Society talking about the story. Um, except for, like, in uh, Midnight Ride where Tucker retold the Sleepy Hollow. It would have been very easy to do it without narration. Like, you show a external establishing shot, then you have the shitty walls and stuff to be like, oh, this place is shit. Pan over to a sign like, oh, this is the last day because it's being torn down yeah on a poster and then boom yeah you're right i guess andy really didn't need to talk did he (laughs) no he didn't need to say anything to the midnight society (laughs) oh well (laughs) (laughs) just interpretive dance oh so now we are watching this girl her name is tara and she's playing her violin one note at a time and some guy in a leather coat's watch alarm goes off, and then some water seems to dribble on Tara's sheet music. And we look up at the ceiling where there's a metal grate, and that's just going to be like a, the theme of this episode, is that if you look in the ceiling, there's just there's just these metal grates everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy in the jacket gets up, he walks away, and Tara continues playing, and we hear some deep breathing coming from the grate on the ceiling, and then a pencil drops out of it. And Tara kind of looks up and then at the pencil and she stops and the crowd claps because she did a good job. I was just instantly like, why is this guy here? Because he's in the audience while she's playing and she's playing well. She's good. She is. And this guy's just like, oh, like staring at his watch, like fucking hurry up, violin it up and let's go. (laughs) Um, I'm not like a violin virtuoso or whatever you want to say. Really? Yeah, believe it or not. If I could play any musical instrument, I would pick piano and violin. But I don't know what she's playing. Is she playing something specific? I can't remember. I know there's a lot of canon in D in this episode. Yeah, definitely. But I don't think... I think she might be trying to play canon in D right now. But um, it's just like one note like... I'm going to cut that out. Like, what the fuck (laughs) am I doing? (laughs) Please don't. (sighs) <sighs> we zip to the hallway where Tara is walking with her two friends, Scott and Jane. Jane is telling her how amazing she is, and Scott agrees. And Tara's all, yeah, so amazing I put Michael to sleep. And Jane tells her, Michael is a jerk, and wonders what mm-hmm. was so important that he left before she finished. And Scott shrugs, saying, don't look at me. And when he's questioned further, he puts his hands up, saying, I gotta go. So he walks away, and the two girls just kind of follow, and they head into the lunchroom. So, Brandon, that's most of our characters in this episode. I'm very thankful for. You want to meet these guys? Yeah. Okay. Tara is played by Jennifer Finnegan, who played in a ton of episodes of The Bold and the Beautiful. Like, over 500 episodes of it. Like, I know it was on every single day, but, like, goddamn. Those soap operas. Crazy. That's what our podcast is going to... If we ever want a podcast where we never have, like, an end, that's what we got to go for. Oh, yeah. That's what I want. The Bold and the Beautiful cast. <laughs> she was also in a couple of episodes of uh, the TV show Dead Zone. Okay. I remember that. And she was in Beethoven's Big Break. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Good for she, her. She went to Beethoven, man. She was like, I've done Bold and the Beautiful. Now it's time for oh, Beethoven. Jennifer Finnegan's Big Break. <laughs> Michael, the badass in the leather coat, is played by Jason McSkimming, which is a weird name. Whenever I think of skimming, I think of skimming gross stuff off of, like, the pool. Yeah. He was in the the Deep Trouble episodes of Goosebumps. All right. Which is one of the only Goosebumps books that I can actually remember reading. He was in something called Excalibur Kid and a bunch of episodes of Caitlin's Way, which seems to have went on way longer than I uh, had thought. It's got so there'll be of lots of episodes of the Caitlin's Way podcast. Yes, the Caitlin cast. <laughs> but not enough, am I right? Let's be honest, you're right. Jane is played by Audrey Gardner, who played the childlike empress in the 2001 movie and TV series Tales from the Neverending Story. Which I say, I, found, I bring up a lot, I don't know, maybe you, we should talk about you that. You kind of do. It's like My entire, only... like experience and exposure to the entire Neverending Story saga... Yeah. is watching part of part two with you that like dad, 20 years though. ago. That's it. <laughs> Those Odies, that dad, he was sweating reading a book. How and that's that all I remember about the experience is that the dad was really sweaty. He was reading that book so intensely. So in my mind, the never-ending story is about a dad 
who just sweats and reads books. Oh, that's pretty much all of it, yeah. You don't need to watch anything else. That's a good interpretation. Adam Frost plays Scott. And Adam played in a couple of episodes of The Secret World of Alex Mack, which Ooh. you had a book about. Remember, you I were did. reading it that one time and you got all sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, get him, Alex. <laughs> and he was in some other things, too. But he was also part of the production crew for the TV show Castle. And he wrote for that show, too. It's pretty cool. Neat. Yeah, right? Never seen it, but whatever. I know it's popular. It's whatever. Anyway, back to the episode. You ready? Yeah. So, in the lunchroom, Tara walks up to Jane, asking her, how about this one for the program? And she sets down a headshot of herself. And Jane says, wow. And asks her if it's her graduation shot. And Tara tells her, yeah. And asks, do I look fat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's yeah. a fun little character moment. I liked it. Yeah, she's fishing for compliments here. Yeah. <laughs> Jane laughs saying, no, you look great. And speaking of greats, we get a shot from above the girls from the ceiling and something is looking at them from the ceiling. Great. <laughs> it's breathing Whoa, heavy. I didn't even it's, notice that. That's incredible. It's all like <sighs> breathing at them and stuff. I don't know how anybody hasn't noticed this thing, but meh. we look at Scott and Michael and they're walking into the room and Scott tells Michael to cool it because he's on thin ice. And they head over to the gals, and Michael asks, Hey, how are my two favorite ladies? And he goes in for a smooch from Tara, but she ain't having that, saying, How was your workout? And Mike looks at Scott, who says, I didn't tell, I swear. So Michael says, Look, I'm sorry. I was just getting all fidgety in there. I had to, you know, do something. And Jane snaps, saying, You were doing something. You were listening to your girlfriend's recital. And Scott says, Well, technically, I think he was sleeping. And Mike tells him to shut the fuck up. And the camera zooms in on the ceiling grate and where there's just a bunch of ceiling tiles with water damage on it. Ugh. Yeah, it's yuck. This whole place is yuck. I'm surprised, like, there aren't maggots crawling out of every hole. Every orifice of this porous, <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, it's gross. I, I can't wait, personally, for this place to get uh, knocked down. But Seriously, it cannot come fast enough. No, please, bring Saturday on. Not last dance and then whoop. To, to no, right now, the in the middle of the lunchroom. Fucking came in like a wrecking ball. Just do it. Goddamn Hannah Montana. <laughs> so there's this water damage ceiling, and there's these ceiling tiles, and they start to crack. Tara finishes saying that it's important to her, and that it's what she does. And Jane barks in that she's going to be famous one day, and you're going to be, like, working out. <laughs> did you Did you enjoy this teenage drama, or was it just kind of too hammy for you? Uh, it was a little bit too much. Like, Michael is too obviously a douchebag. Oh my god. Like, all good teenage drama douchebags have a side where you're like, alright, maybe maybe he can change, but Michael just sucks. He might be one of the worst boyfriends ever. Seriously. Like, like not even Danny in the show. Zuko wannabe looking ass. Yeah. Not even in this show, just in general. Oh, hey, that's my next line. Michael turns out to be the worst boyfriend, saying that it's unlikely that she'll get famous playing this shit. And Tara's all, <laughs> like, fuck him. <laughs> He's the most unsupporting asshole. What does she see in him at all? I don't know, man. That leather oh, jacket. Man. These characters are just together because the story was like, they're together. Yeah, like, they're like, well, we need to survive this wasteland of a building we've decided to go inside so we got to do the buddy system i don't know tara's all gee thanks for the support and then the ceiling starts to break did i already say it starts to break oh, it's breaking it's breaking even more so mike picks up the picture of tara asking what it's for and tara tells him with a smile that they asked her to perform at the last dance and the picture is for the program and Mike laughs, saying, don't use this one. And then he crumples it up like an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> He's so cartoonishly shitty. <laughs> He's just like, ugh, this fucking picture, you look like a fat ass. <laughs> you look like some kind of three-fingered monster. <laughs> <laughs> you hideous beast, go hide in a hole. <laughs> Tara kind of yells at him, and he's all, what? I'm being supportive. And then he shoots that paper wad into a trash can, and then the ceiling above them breaks and falls down. And the kids kind of duck out of the way, and Mike says, good thing they're tearing this place down since it's falling apart. And then he ushers his friends away, and uh, I agree, Mike. 
We cut and now we're in the locker room. And Scott tells Mike that he's being really lame with Tara. Mike's all, mm-hmm. what? Want me to lie to her? Come on, man. Everyone thinks you're going to play for some big philharmonic doodah orchestra and then end up playing on the street for quarters. I'm just trying to give her a reality check. That's all. Man, what a good guy. Did you ever think that you were going to play for a big philharmonic doodah orchestra, Brandon? I hoped to be a doodah one day, but just didn't work out like that. Now I'm just a podcaster. This is what happens. You either get to play some big philharmonic doodah. <laughs> are, you, are you podcasting for quarters on the screen? <laughs> Please, I'll give you my opinion on any old Nickelodeon show you want. Twenty-five cents. Please sign up for my Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I think of Caitlin's way. Oh man, I would sign up for that. <laughs> I would hey, send the quarters my way, man. Yeah, I'll flick a quarter your way for some Caitlin's way. All right, it's an underrated masterpiece. He turns around. <laughs> I've had enough of this. <laughs> Scott tells him to listen to her sometime because she's good, and Mike knows she's good, and so are the guys playing for quarters, which is a good point, I guess, for an asshole. He turns around, and there's a big tear in his leather jacket, and Scott notices it saying, Whoa! Mike looks at it over his shoulder and gets pissed, yelling, What happened here? And he looks in the locker where he stored the jacket, and there's a big hole in it. Wouldn't you notice that when you put your jacket in there? Um, I would think so. That's, that's a man-sized hole. <laughs> <laughs> huh, that tunnel didn't used to be there? Yeah, Scott smiles saying that some rats got there, or some rats got it in for you, buddy. And Mike thinks that this place is a disaster waiting to happen. And quite frankly, he's not wrong. He smashes his locker shut, and we cut over to, I think, the girls' locker room, which is where we are. And we're inside Mm -hmm. of a vent. And the first-person camera is breathing heavily from inside this vent. And um, it's kind of weird that he... Okay, clearly there's somebody in these vents, you know, breathing and stuff. It's kind of weird that he's just spying in the women's locker room. Oh, well, you think this guy's a little bit weird, huh? Just a tiny bit, you know? Hmm. I guess now that you mention it. He might be a pervert. Maybe. We'll uh, possibly discuss this aspect of his character later. Excellent. I am looking forward to it. We see Tara set down her violin next to the vent, and then she smiles at her locker saying, We've had a lot of great times here. You know, I'm really going to miss this place. And she walks over to Jane who says, Yeah, well, time to move on. Tara's all, "Mm, Maybe it's time to move on in a lot of ways. And Jane asks what she means, and then we look over at the vent, where a hand is grabbing her violin and moving it through this newly created violin-sized hole. (laughs) (laughs) And Tara starts saying how she thinks Mike and her's relationship sucks, but she gets interrupted by the noise of a monster stealing her violin. (laughs) I wanted to hear her complete that thought. I know, I was like, oh, Brandon is just eating this up a little Mm -hmm. bit, I bet. So she looks over and she notices that her violin's gone. And she says, oh no, my violin's gone. (laughs) And Jane asks where she put it. And Tara tells her, there, I put it there. And Jane walks over saying, no one else was here. How could it just disappear? And that's when they notice the violin-sized hole in the vent. (laughs) They look inside and Jane suggests that they tell somebody, like security. So they run away and they do that. And they do not notice the heavy breathing coming from the vent. No, because they're used to it. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's just like their static noise or something. It's just part of the building. Yeah. I appreciate, even though it doesn't work out for them, spoilers, that they went to security. Because in most episodes, I feel like the characters would just be like, let's just crawl through these vents in this dilapidated, collapsing building. I think so, too, but... Um, the next scene, we're back in the lunchroom for some reason, even though the kids were literally just there. They're, they're, they're growing kids. They're hungry. <laughs> they, Second they went, breakfast. They went from the lunchroom to the locker room, back to the lunchroom. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's clearly the same day because they all have the same clothes on. So it's not like time passed. Look, I don't know if you've ever been to a rec center. I have. But it's mostly you? eating. Really? Is it? I love eating. I've never been to a rec center. <laughs> Oh, I'd like to think it is. Me. You like to think kids just go there to eat? 
No, I would have preferred to go to the juice bar at Angel Grove. <laughs> okay. Yeah. God, those kids went to a bar. Anyway. <laughs> Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your rec center friend. Thank you so much for taking a listen to our show. We always appreciate you spending some time with us. If you're looking for more laughs, give us a follow on Twitter at PRVT Island and Instagram at Private Island Presents. We make a ton of content that really enhances our show, from GIFs to memes to videos to completely original content based on every single episode. Every week we watch full-length episodes live on Instagram, so give us a follow and check our stories for times. Every week we abridge and condense entire episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark down into one hilarious minute, where we do our own voiceovers and even make our own sound effects, and they are a blast. We've uploaded the entire supercut of Season 6 on YouTube, so check it out in the link below and subscribe for more videos. Are you looking to support the show and unlock tons of bonus content, like early release episodes, bloopers, horror movie reviews, and more? Check out patreon.com slash private island and become a patron for as low as $1 a month today. Higher tiers get more rewards, so take a look and join up today. I have an all-new bonus episode coming out very soon that you're not going to want to miss out on. I'd like to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth, Eddie, Mia, and Tristan, the Silver Goth, Shane, Steven, Matt, Kaylee, and Gerilyn, the Golden Day Days, Bryce, Angela, Faith, and Sarah, and the Platinum Bostics, Kathy, Evelyn, and Matt. Thank you, everyone. Our show would not be the same without you. To all of our newest patrons, stickers will be sent out in the mail soon. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. And tell somebody about our show. Give us a shout-out on social media, too. There's nothing cooler than seeing fans mention us in their posts. For a quick link to all of our social media content, our YouTube page, the Patreon, and more, check out the Linktree link in our episode description. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. For now, I'll let you get back to the show. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye! Mike looks at his ripped leather jacket. The rest of the kids are there too. And by, you know, Jane and Scott. And Jane asks what security did. And Tara tells her nothing. And they just took a statement and filled out a report. Mike asks if she told them about his jacket. And Jane yells at him. And he's all, what? I paid Boku bucks for this. (laughs) And Tara can't believe this shit. Saying she had that violin for years. And now she can't even play for the closing dance this Saturday night. And Mike, the asshole, says, ah, come on. They must rent those things out, don't they? And Tara scowls at him, saying, Those things are violins, Michael. Not bowling shoes. Violins! <laughs> they do rent out violins, though, don't they? Oh, yeah, I'm sure they do. Like, violins are expensive. So mm-hmm. if, a, if, if a school has, like, an orchestra and some kid's like, I want to play the violin, Daddy! They have to rent that shit out because violins are fucking expensive. Right. She walks away from that stellar performance, and the other kids follow, and Scott stops to tell Mike that, for a smart guy, he's kind of not very smart. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoever accused him of being a smart guy? Nobody. That's what I thought. Nobody. He is not Taj Maori. He is is no fucking Maori, that's for sure. (laughs) Mike doesn't seem to understand how shit he is, saying, what? I know what violins are. And then gets all upset at his ripped jacket. We cut over to nighttime, since it's all dark, and the clock on the wall, which is the same as the one from the plant shop from Reanimator, says it's 6 o'clock. We look at a display refrigerator with some food, and there's cheeses in there and stuff, and then a shrouded monster-looking thing walks over to it and starts stealing out of it. And it checks the garbage can for good measure and finds the crumpled picture of Tara, and it starts breathing heavily, and then walks away. It's, uh, it's a human... monster abomination it's basically quasimodo though right um like spoilers they literally call him quasimodo later (laughs) uh he's he's more of a phantom kind of figure i've never seen phantom of the opera but i was thinking maybe it was phantom of the opera it's phantom of the opera okay i mean it's also phantom of the megaplex i know that one a little bit better than phantom (laughs) of the opera 
It's Mickey Rooney. Uh, wasn't there also a Goosebumps episode or a Goosebumps book called like Phantom of the Auditorium? <sighs> Phantom or of the Auditorium, too? I think is yeah. Uh, okay, so it's just the Phantom. Yeah. So now it's Saturday since we cut to the last dance, and there's a disco ball. Because <laughs> that's yeah. what kids want. <laughs> disco. Yeah, turn of the millennium. Got to get that disco ball out. There's some sweet jams playing, um, tons of balloons, just a bunch of balloons, and there's kids everywhere. They're just, by kids, I mean like teenagers, like 16-year-olds, and they're just kind of sitting around talking, and Jane's selling tickets or something. She looks over at Tara saying, poor thing, and Mike is handing out flyers, and Tara walks over to her friends. Scott says that he's sorry, and she says, it's okay. And then up walks Mike, excitedly telling everyone to forget about it and have some fun, because it's a party. Let's dance. And Tara gets pissed and crumbles the program, throws it down, and walks away. Damn it, Mike. You just don't get it. He's the worst. He's the worst. I don't know what kind of person just has, has a girlfriend somehow and treats her like complete horse shit. I don't get it. Mike asks where Tara's going, and Jane and Scott stand up, and Jane's telling him that he's a colossal doofus, which I thought she was going to say douchebag for yeah, some reason. She, I thought the same thing. Okay, good. It is the PG version. You're a colossal doofus. And anyway, she starts running after Tara, and Mike takes a look at the crumpled up thing, and it's the program with Tara's picture on it. And he asks Scott what he did, and then we cut to Tara. Tara's walking through these empty halls, and she sits down with a sigh, and there's a weird noise ahead of her. So she goes to investigate. And then we cut over to Jane, who yells for Tara, asking where she is as Tara walks further down the hallway. This place cannot be that big where her yelling is not heard by Tara. It's massive. It is, but, like, she could not have gotten further than that, away from Tara, to the point where Jane yelling is not heard by her. That doesn't make any sense. That's just the way it is, man. And now I can't believe anything from this episode. (laughs) Another noise stops her for a moment, and then she just keeps walking forward to check it out, and there's some smoke around a corner. And she looks at it, and it's just the horrifying radiator spewing noxious fumes. That's it. That's all. Oh, shoo. Yeah. Thought it was something dangerous. Nope, it's just the fucking radiator. With Jane, she calls for Tara to talk to her, and the camera pans up, and we see a grate in the ceiling. And she walks through a Dutch angle and back, and she stops under the grate. And she looks up, and blood pours on her head. They're all gonna laugh at you! (laughs) Well, actually, it's just red paint, but she screams. Tara hears that, because they're probably like 30 fucking feet away from each other. And she runs to go investigate. She rounds the corner saying, Jane, is that you? And then runs down the hallway. And she looks down at the red paint on the ground and touches it for some reason. Because, like, the paint can is there, too. It's not blood, Tara. It's clearly paint. Yeah. And she looks up. And she sees it dripping from the ceiling. She backs up a little and right into a shrouded monster. She screams. It breathes. And we cut to commercial. I have a question, Brandon. Shoot. Okay. So I'm going to spoil this episode that's 20 years old at this point. Yeah, turn, and, turn this uh, episode off if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> yep, go watch the episode for yourself. Come <laughs> back. No. Um, so the monster ends up being, like, just a dude for the most part. Yes. Why did he drop that paint on Jane? Why did he do that? <laughs> um, She wasn't doing anything wrong. She because was Jane's not Tara? I don't get it. Why did he do that? He only wants... Tara. Yeah, like, okay, so crushing the ceiling and stuff and being upset at Michael for being an asshole. I get that. Like, if you drop paint on Michael, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Direct motivation. But Jane is just like, Tara, girl, I love you. Where are you at? And he's just like, nope, fuck you. I don't get it. Yeah, he sucks. Clearly, they were going for a carry moment, I think. And they were like, of course. This is the last dance. We have to do something carry related. Even if it doesn't make any sense, let's just no do sense it. at all. He's just up there with paint, yeah, waiting for her to walk by so he can ruin her dress. Yes, <laughs> maybe blind her. I don't know, man. It was it was something. Like at the time, I was like, "Oh shit!" Now she's covered in paint. But once you realize that this monster is not bad, which is something you probably should like realize it from the start anyway, you're just like, "Why did he just do that?" <laughs> Maybe he just, he needed a way to get Tara alone. 
And yeah. Jane was just getting a bit too snoopy. Okay, yeah. I guess that probably makes the so most sense. So he's like, well, fuck it. You're getting painted. <laughs> That's all I've got. Well, back to the show. We get some spooky music. And we see this monster dude just pushing Tara along saying, Keep walking. Tara's all, Don't hurt me. Please. And then they walk Please. further past this creepy, this creepy boiler room area. Yeah, you thought the rec center was big? This yeah. underground dungeon reminds me of the interior of the death star tara kind of falls a little like they're over this bridge and she knocks over this fencing that falls into just a bottomless pit right (laughs) they just have a bottomless pit under this rec center that's not gonna come back in this episode (laughs) (laughs) i just said what the hell is going on because like the the bar falls into this bottomless pit and it's just like ting yeah, it goes like miles down. <laughs> like, what is it going to like the center of the fucking earth? What's going on? <sighs> oh my god, it was great. We cut back to the party, and Mike wonders where the gals are since it's been twenty minutes already. And Scott tells him there's plenty of time to get over it. Mike's all, "Give me a break," and then he walks over and tells Scott to come on so they can go check it out. Back with Tara and the monster. <laughs> They head further into this pipe maze until it ushers her into a room that's a bit more decorated and it looks like he lives in, even though there's water dripping everywhere. And it still looks better than the rec center. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) Tara asks this creature who he is, and he says that he's a mistake of evolution, I think. I think that's what he says. Yeah. Not really sure. He tells her not to try and run because the underground is treacherous. And with that, we cut back to the boys. But before that, I think we should meet this monster. Sure. This creature is credited as Lurker. So that's what I'm going to refer to it as from now on. And he, the Lurker is played by Paul Hopkins, who we last saw as Lieutenant Williams from the tale of the long ago locket. He's the one that had the crush on Will Friedle. Right. As we all do. I mean, don't tell my wife. He was also in the Disney Channel original movie Zombies and Zombies 2, which are quite new. So, yeah, maybe I'll look for him. I'm not going to do that. Never mind. (laughs) I'm not going to watch those. It's about dancing zombies or something. Like, fuck off. Hey, Thriller was about dancing zombies, and that's a great video. Yeah. Fuck, you're right. I guess I'm going to just binge watch these Disney Channel original movies now. All right, let me know how they are, because I don't want to watch that shit. Thanks, Brandon. At the party, Scott suggests that the ladies went home, but Mike knows Tara would not leave without him. So they go investigate further. In the hallway, they joke about checking the girls' bathroom, then round the corner and right into shivering Jane, who's covered in red paint and looks suspiciously like Carrie covered in blood. Scott asks her what happened, and she just cries, Something horrible is going on. And the kids warp to the scene of the crime, and the red paint splattered everywhere, and Jane's all hysterical, talking about how she was there was something up in the ceiling. And Scott suggests that they go get help, but Mike looks down and sees some red footprints as well as the corsage that Tara was wearing. And he looks up at a big hole in the wall <laughs> that's there. Right. A big lurker-shaped hole. Yeah. Yes. And Jane's all, It got Tara! So Mike tells them to go get help, and he goes into the hole to get Tara. And uh, that's the last time we see Scott and Jane. Yeah, they don't go get help. They disappear. Maybe they do. We'll never know. <laughs> we cut over to Tara, who, this is that was pretty great. We cut over to Tara, who's rocking back and forth in the fetal position. <laughs> Which is probably exactly what I would I doing, mean, so. the situation's pretty fucked. Yeah, it is. She's looking around the room, which is just covered with hand-drawn pictures of her and a bunch of different poses. And it's super creepy. I couldn't imagine getting stolen. <laughs> Put in a room that's just full of pictures of me. Yeah, that's a nightmare. <sighs> sure is. The lurker asks if she likes it, but Tara's all like, please just let me go. And he walks up to her and she backs up saying that she won't tell anyone about him. She promises, but he lifts up his hand, which has only three fingers, by the way. It's like a, I don't know, like a lobster claw kind of looking thing. Yeah, it's just a big meaty claw. Um, yeah. I mean, lobsters only got two of the little things, but pinches. What? <laughs> Nothing, I was just admiring your scientific descriptions. I am nothing but a scientist. 
David Attenborough, like, and here we see the crab with his big, <laughs> you know what I mean. You get it, guys. <laughs> the lurker asks, the lurker says that he's got something to show her. So Tara sits down and we cut to Mike crawling around in the vents. Back with three fingers, McGee. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I prepared this for you. And he lifts up the cloth and he's just set a big old buffet of food for her. Yeah, except it doesn't look that good. He's got like orange juice and a wine glass and some cheese or something. I, I mean, he know. clearly tried with what he has, but I was expecting it to be like a beautiful banquet. This is all very premeditated. <laughs> oh, yeah. He knew he was getting her tonight. He knew he was going to steal that girl. <laughs> he's like, I don't care how much paint it takes me. I'm going to get her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to paint the I got buckets red. for days. <laughs> Yeah, somebody just stands under the grate and he's. And then the next person <laughs> no, this is like, building's What's that? being demolished the next day. Tara says that she doesn't much. She doesn't have much of an appetite, and Lurker apologizes, saying that he must disgust her. And Tara tells her, "No, but she's just scared." She asks what he wants with her, and the Lurker stands up, saying, "For years I've watched you from behind these walls, years preparing myself, and all this for you. I've watched you grow into a fine young woman." Ugh. That line particularly <laughs> like talent. made my skin crawl. Yeah, right. Especially considering he was watching her in the yeah. women's locker room. Like, flat out, this guy is a predator. Yeah. He's just watching him change, and he's like, Ugh, I've been watching you for years, and now you're ripe enough for me to pick. Oh my god, Brandon, don't talk like that. It's... <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah, especially because he breathes really heavily while he's in the vent watching two ladies in a locker room. Yeah, um, it's like, um, I'm not grossed out because you're physically a monster. You're just, <laughs> you know, in every other way, a monster. Uh, but you know what? Apparently everybody in Tara's life is just a monster, so. Yeah, she attracts the best kinds, huh? Mm-hmm. Lurker tells her that I brought you here because after tonight, the building will be torn down and I'll lose you forever. And I couldn't live like that. And Tara looks around again at all the art he's made and says, It was you! You dropped that pencil in the music room. And he apologizes, saying he never meant to disturb her playing, and he hopes that she can forgive him. With Mike, he's still crawling around in the ceiling. And he looks down at the lunchroom from the grate. Back with the lurker, he tells Tara he has something else to show her, and pulls out her violin. Tara reacts immediately, standing up, saying, You! Which is weird, but... Lurker assures her no harm has come to it, so she goes over and she picks it up, and then he asks if she would play for him, saying if she wishes, he will hide himself. And Tara tells him that he doesn't have to hide, and Lurker gets, Lurker gets excited, saying, so you'll play? And Tara tells him only if he shows her his face. And Lurker's all, no, anything but that. But Tara's adamant and says that she won't play, so Lurker lets her know that he's hideous, but Tara tells him, no. Anyone that can draw with such brilliance can't possibly be hideous. Which is a huge what? lie, Tara. <laughs> what? <laughs> you could be hideous and be good at art, okay, Tara? <laughs> what a silly thing to say. So after Tara lies to his face, he starts undoing his clothes. Which is like, I, it sounds worse than what it is. Like, he's, I don't know. He's, he's like undoing his coverings over his face or something, right? Yeah. But, but, I mean, that's fine that you've described it that way, because it's very in character for him. <sighs> yeah, 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 you're right. He's asking Tara if she's certain, and she says yes, and then we cut over to Mike, who's still exploring the vents. And this cannot be the same way that Tara and the Lurker took, right? They were not crawling through these vents. No. And yet, it is. <laughs> I don't believe it. With the two, Lurker finally reveals his face, and... He's a regular dude with long hair. <laughs> Gross. What a fucking letdown. Yeah. I don't it know. Really was. Like, I really don't know what kind of message it's trying to send here. I don't get it. Like, Why didn't they just make him hideous? He's not hideous he at all. Sh- he should have been a little hideous. He looks like Sean O'Shaney, like the Sean O'Shaney hair from Jake and the Leprechaun. Yeah. Slapped like a wig slapped on a dude. And that's He's it. He's like a dude wearing ugly gloves. <laughs> he just has meaty claws. So That's he takes it. off he takes off his hood and he's like a a decent looking guy. Yeah. And then she's like, Oh, you're disgusting, but I 
can see the goodness within you. Like, that that doesn't... It doesn't apply. No, it doesn't fit anything. Like, he's got three fingers, but his face and hair is, like, luscious. I wish I had that hair. Do you want to... I could style that so good. Mm-hmm. I'd be man-bunning it all over the place. So, I guess the message they're really sending is that, like, even normal-looking people can still be fucking gross and the worst. Wow. That's that's it, yeah. I don't know, man. It was disappointing. They they could have done something. Yeah, it's, it was really... Like, even the build-up. I don't know. I don't know what they were going for. Tara tells him to leave his cloak off and that she's not afraid. And she smiles and asks what she should play. And he gets excited saying, um, I don't know, a piece of music or something. I don't. Did you hear what he said? Pachelbel. I don't know what that is. Is that what she plays? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear that. She starts playing her violin, and he just stares at her entranced. And then we cut back to Mike again, and he slides down like a shoot of sorts. Tara's still playing her violin, and Lurker starts crying. And Mike finally makes his way to the boiling pipes and the leaky water that runs past that bridge that Tara fucked up earlier. And he runs to the Lurker's hideout where he stops and he peeks around the corner watching Tara play. And um, I really like the um, cinematography, I guess, of like the violin playing, mixing with like the boiling water pipe noises and stuff of like the underground mm-hmm. while we cut to Mike. I thought that was cool. It's like synced together nicely, I think. Yeah, Unless I'm wrong. There's some wrong. good stuff. There's times during this episode where I was actually thinking like, oh, I really like how they cut there or edited that mm-hmm. together. Like, it's not a lot that I notice things like that in an episode. So I guess they did all right. On a technical standpoint, it's a good episode, but the plot is just kind of boring and its choices are a little yeah. odd and the setting is just unbelievable, but... Technically, it's a pretty good episode. She finishes her song and looks at Lurker saying, you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she's already like, she's kind of into him. Yes. Like this is reason. Stockholm Syndrome in record time. Right. Yeah. He kidnapped her and brought her to his lair and like, she was scared and like, oh, there's pictures of me everywhere. And that was like three minutes ago. Yeah. And she's already like. This guy's sexy. <laughs> as soon as he took off that hood, she was like, oh, all right, well, he can't be bad. He's good looking. He's got long, gorgeous locks. Like, his hands are gross, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, hey, if he can hold a pencil and he can draw my face, that's good enough for me. Lurker tells her that she plays beautifully and anyone who can't see that is a fool. Tara smiles and walks over to him, sits down, and Lurker says, you thinking of your friend Michael? And Tara tells him that he just doesn't get it. And Lurker thinks that he can't see beyond himself to appreciate who she is. And we see Mike, he's just kind of taking this all in. And I think he's finally realizing what a douchebag he is. Yeah. So, like, the Lurker's not wrong about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's also incredibly douchey to be Yeah. sitting there like, oh, I think it might be more douchey to steal a Girl. person. Yeah, it's, this is all. Well, I mean, just the whole thing is gross. <laughs> Yeah, it is. You should ditch that zero and get with a hero. Tara says, well, maybe he's right, and maybe there's no future in playing classical music. Give me a break. Lurker's all, oh, I hope you don't mean that. And Tara shakes her head saying, I don't know. And then Lurker gets up and asks her to stay with him, and that he'd never make her give up her music. And if this shithole doesn't suit her, there's other places in the underground that they can go find and make home. And Tara smiles saying, I could play all day, couldn't I? And Lurker says, yes. As long as you want, I'd adore you forever. And then Lurker sniffs and he looks over and Tara asks, what's wrong? And Lurker stands up yelling, no one will take her away from me. And Tara asks again, who is it? And Lurker grabs her hand and runs saying, I'm protecting you. And he pushes her into a door and slams it shut. And Mike pops up saying, okay, Quasimodo, show's over. Let her go. And Lurker yells, why? So she could go back to you? Somebody who doesn't see her? Doesn't listen to her? Doesn't love her? Doesn't even lock her up? (laughs) Mike's all, I don't know what you are, but if you don't let her go, I swear. But Lurker runs away saying, you're in my world now. Be careful where you tread. And Tara from behind the door begs him not to go, but he does anyway. 
and Mike asks if she's okay and opens up the door for her. And Tara tries telling him that he's harmless, but Mike's all, yeah, well, he doesn't look harmless to me. Let's get out of here. They walk a little ways and back to that bridge with the bottomless pit, when suddenly, Lurker drops from the ceiling, telling Michael he won't let him take her. They tussle a little bit like five-year-olds. <laughs> and Tara's yelling at them to stop it, when finally Lurker misses a punch and falls off the side railing. And Tara runs up to grab his three-fingered hand, and Lurker tells her that he's too heavy, but Tara begs Mike to help her, and Lurker tells her that he's not afraid, and makes her promise that she won't let anyone stop her from her dreams. So Tara yells at him that he can't die, and then he lets go of one hand, yelling, Promise me! So she does promise, and Lurker's all, Goodbye, Tara, and is about to fall into forever, but at the last second, Mike grabs his hand and pulls him up. I kind of wish he would have (laughs) fallen. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I would have more comfort of mind knowing that he didn't exist anymore. It's kind of a shame that he pulled through. Lurker thanks Mike and apologizes for what he did, then begins to run away. But he stops, he looks at them, and then he runs away. (laughs) Tara asks Mike why he saved him, and Mike picks up her violin. She gets (laughs) it too. (laughs) Mike, Mike picks up the violin saying, for you. And she smiles and gives him a hug. And I'm like, dude. No, that was a human being you saved. It wasn't a monster. That was just a human. That's just the right thing to do, right? Sure. We cut over to Lurker looking at a picture of Tara, and then we hear violin music. And we look over and we see a phonograph in Lurker's room. And Tara's there too. And she looks at Lurker saying, Would you like the last dance? And he says, Nothing would make me happier. And he takes Tara's hand, And the two dance, the final dance to one of my personal favorite pieces of classical music, Canon D, which plays a lot at weddings. And the tale ends with the lurker walking into the underground. Yeah. What a weird ending. So at this point, is the building knocked over? Are they just in the underground? Like Tara's just like, hey, want to dance? No, I guess that doesn't make sense. It must still be Saturday. Where'd you get that phonograph, though? She ran (laughs) and collected, collected that, uh, record of canon and d (laughs) so i was gonna say something about how like his home is gonna be destroyed but i want to say that this underground is like connected under the like under the city and it's just like really big and um he can essentially go wherever he wants right probably so what's stopping him from like being like yo girl if you'd like me meet me here instead you know meet me in this derelict building Nothing. Okay. If he's not stalking this girl, he'll be stalking another underage girl. He needs to be stopped. They had a chance. Yeah. (laughs) Bigger missed opportunity than the whole face reveal. Why don't they just go to the police and get this man, like, some help? He clearly needs some help. He's just some guy. He's not an He's not actually a monster. (laughs) He's got big meaty crows, but aside from that, like... He's just a normal dude. We cut back to the Midnight Society where Andy says, The end. And Megan thinks that story was beautiful. And Tucker smiles and Andy picks up his violin again as Quinn and Vange beg him not to. And Tucker tells him, No offense, man, but bye. And he runs away. Quinn and Vange follow, but Megan stays behind. And he goes to put his violin back, but Megan tells him, Wait, go for it. And he smiles, he picks up his violin, and he, and he starts playing a touch of cannon in D. And then he goes and sits next to her and says that he was just getting warmed up. And Megan looks like she can't believe this, and that's the end of the episode. We're never going to get a resolution to this Andy-Megan-Tucker triangle. I don't think so either. But you know what, Brandon? We're only, and already, halfway done with season 7, so anything can happen. Yeah, but it won't. It won't, but I mean... It could, right? But that was uh, that was the tale of the last dance. Fucking Dunzos. Yeah, meh. Still. Yeah, I don't really have too much more to say about it. Um, like if overall, it's kind of cringy, really. Um, it's trying to be Beauty and the Beast, and it's not Beauty and the Beast. No, it's not. This is one of those episodes I think that is trying to push a moral. Do you think we could probably try and figure out what it is? Yeah. Let's give it a shot. Um, I think it's trying to say that it's okay to kidnap people 
and mm-hmm. force them to perform for you as long as you compliment them. Yeah. But, well, there's a caveat here, Brandon, because you need to draw pictures of them first. A <sighs> lot of them. Well, I'm out. And as you well know, you cannot be hideous and being an artist. So if you're ugly, like, you can't draw. Sorry. Yeah. Forget about it. That's really the moral. Like, if you aspire to be an artist, but you're ugly, forget about it. Don't put yourself through that heartache. Yeah. You can't even draw for quarters on the street. No. Everybody will. They're all going to laugh at you is what (laughs) we're trying to say. There we go. Full circle. The real moral of the story, because this this episode could just have a ton of them, is if you look up in the ceiling and you see a grate, there's a good chance there's a guy up there watching you. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Just assume that that's the case. I mean, like, I already do anyway, but this just confirms that my suspicions are true and that there is a monster watching you from the grates. And unfortunately, that can be applied to vents, too. So when you're in the women's changing room, you need to think twice about where you're changing. Because if you're in front of a vent, a monster's looking at you. Okay, I'm done with this. The Tale <laughs> of the Last Dance. Um, That's a name. Uh, it's the name of... I, I guess it applies. Then. Sure. There's a very um, minute detail of a last dance, uh, but I think we can come up with a better name than that. What do you think? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. The Tale of Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Took it from you, didn't I? Yeah. All right, let me just scribble out some notes here. <sighs> the Tale of the Monster. Straight into the point. I would have guessed what this one was based on that name. Easy. Yeah. The tale of the terrible boyfriend. Oh, he was so bad. One of the worst, I'd say. He's so bad, like, he's the only character that could make the lurker seem almost (laughs) sympathetic in comparison. I think that's what they were going for. Maybe that's right. Maybe they were just like, alright, this guy's gotta be, because we've made this lurker so horrible that this guy's gotta be even worse. And they, they failed, but... Um... The tale of the uh, dilapidated rec room. I don't know. <laughs> that building sucks. Yeah, I've got nothing. Okay, let's just... Tale of the Last Dance is just perfect. Let's move on. Are you ready to find out what we're going to be watching next week, Brandon? Yeah. Okay, so up next is the tale... Oh, no. The tale of the laser maze. What is that? Wow. I don't like this episode at all, and I haven't even seen it. God. Laser maze. This is going to be a Vange. It's going to be. It's got to be, right? It has to be. She hasn't said. She hasn't told a story. This is the Vangest story title I've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, she's talking about fucking zombie dice. Now she's got laser maze. What's next, Vange? Like fucking uh, exploding Yahtzee? God. (laughs) Laser maze. Oh, no. Okay. Maybe it's. Okay. Maybe it's good. Um. It's got a 2.8 out of 10 on IMDb. So Okay, well, that raises my hopes a little bit. Yeah, maybe it's going to be great. Maybe. Maybe. Probably I feel like not. this is this is an Aliens episode again. Yeah, right? Um. Okay, so let's think logically here, Brandon. It's 2000. This episode's right. called Laser Maze. I think it's going to... Do you think it's going to be Laser Tag? <laughs> I mean, that's that's where my mind went first, but I'm like, no, that's dumb. It's not going to be the fucking laser thing in Resident Evil, the movie. It Like, that's the only other thing I could think of, but I don't... It's not going to be that, because it's a fucking kid's show. It's got to be laser tag. It's going to be fucking laser tag, Brandon. <sighs> it better not be a laser tag horror or like episode. A laser light show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's better or worse. The kids just go to a rave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, Brandon. We're fucking halfway through season seven already. I don't know how it happened, but it did. Yeah. It's bound to happen eventually. Well, I mean, we were hoping, and now it's here, and uh, yeah. Yeah, we're still alive. Both of us, even. (sighs) Surprisingly, yes. We got six more episodes left to get through, and then uh, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. Well, whatever. I'm all done, Brandon. I've been up all night. I think I'm just going to go back to sleep. That is a very good idea. The idea that the next episode we're going to watch is potentially about laser tag has me both excited and, um, you know, concerned. Uh, concerned <laughs> this is going to be a dumb one. You won't want to miss it. It will be very dumb. 
it's probably going to be the worst episode. Um, I think it might even take away the title from his fortune cookie. I think. <laughs> Don't say that. I mean, Brandon, Brandon, it's laser maze. I mean, come on. How good could it be? God, this is going to be like a fucking Stupid. laser tag competition. Oh, no. Laser maze. Who thought this was a good idea? I don't know. I, I gotta go. I gotta go to bed. I'm, I can't. I'm. Bye, everybody. Bye. Do I look 